This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com for Tuesday, March 10th. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week, we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table. Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional batter who lives on his winnings, and Stephen Nover, a journalist that focuses on sports betting based in Las Vegas. Okay, let's get straight to the show. As you guys know, our focus is sports betting information that you can act upon. It's not about water cooler talk. It's about information that lets you bet and win money. That said, when there's a subject so big in the press, we'll sometimes touch on it and a general sports topic and talk about does it apply or not apply to sports betting. And clearly this week, a major topic was T.O., the Dallas Cowboy receiver who was cut and has now signed with Buffalo. Now, Steven is a NFL expert, a true expert, and we want to get his thoughts on this is what's it mean for Dallas? What's it mean for Buffalo? I think it's uh plus plus for both teams. Uh, it helps Dallas. They had to make a move uh, with, with T.O. He had worn out his welcome already. With Buffalo, uh, yeah, you got to worry about the guy's excessive baggage. He's been a quarterback killer, uh, and he's up there in age now. He's no longer a premier wide receiver, but he still can still be pretty effective. And uh, for Buffalo to sign him, and they didn't pay him all that much money, uh, he'll fit in. Uh, he'll give him a real good number two wide receiver, and he knows he's really got to be on his best behavior. Uh, this is maybe his, his future. If this doesn't work out, he's going to be through. You could see there weren't a whole lot of teams banging on his door. You know, having said that, you know, uh, something like that might apply to like a normal person, but this guy's nuts. So uh, uh, <laughs> you, you think it, it might sink in with him, but. Uh, you know, if his head's straight, uh, yeah, it gives him a, a pretty darn good number two wide receiver to go with Lee Evans. Now, you make a key point. Buffalo is not a team that people have thought has a great chance to win it all. T.O.'s never won it all. He's he's reaching the the latter stages of his career. Is Does this tell us that none of the contenders were interested, the fact that he signed with Buffalo? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of these, these contenders, uh, you know, they, it's signing a deal with the devil, you know, he might put you over, but the long-term damage that he does, uh, Buffalo though, it it could be a a fit. It's not the normal type of, uh, fit, but it's kind of thinking out of the box to get T.O. They've got to compete in that, uh, that, um, AFC East. That's become a tough division. The Dolphins came out of nowhere to win it. The New England had double digit wins, uh, you know, the the Jets, just all they do is just spend, spend, spend. And so for Buffalo to, you know, they're really not putting out a whole lot of money. It's not like they even sign him to a two-year deal. So, uh, you know, I, I applaud B- Buffalo to take a shot here. I guess maybe he can room with Marshawn Lynch and uh, as long as none of them drives or anything. Okay, so uh, Vegas runner Marco, any other thoughts on the T.O. signing? As I said in last week's podcast, definitely an advantage for Dallas. I think Dallas... 
Um, I actually gave Dallas out as a selection for a future bet for the Super Bowl. I think there's going to be value there. They got rid of a cancer. Buffalo, to me, I think it's a move of desperation to sign him. Uh, how happy is T.O. going to be in Buffalo whenever uh, they got 10 inches of snow and it's freezing and he's not getting the ball? It's just an accident waiting to happen. Uh, like a, ex, a couple NFL players have already said anonymously that it is a failed marriage. It's doomed from the start. But, I mean, for Buffalo, I don't think it's a bad move at all. It puts a little relevance back into their program. I mean, look, it's, it, what is it, March, and we're talking about the Buffalo Bills. When has that happened before without the name Jim Kelly? In the backfield. So, I mean, it isn't a bad move for Buffalo. I think it's going to turn into a mistake eventually, but I don't think it was a bad move on their part. Is Trent Edwards going to be able to get enough balls to keep uh, T.O. happy? What do you think, Stephen? Well, if uh, if this T.O., if he retards Trent Edwards' progress and just – you know, destroys the guy's career, then uh, the, the move will go down in infamy. If not, he'll definitely let him know. <laughs> okay, now moving on is, remember, the weekly podcast is three segments. Segment one, we talk about general topics. Two, during the basketball season, we focus on usually two teams and how they're trending upwards or downwards. Actually, we're going to have an extended second segment talking about three teams this week. And in the third segment, free picks. And we got some real hot streaks going. So that's an exciting segment coming up. Next, though, we just did a breakaway podcast, we call it, a How to Handicap series on the conference tournaments. So that's a must-listen to. 37 minutes of discussion on the handicapping concepts around the conference tournaments. You can access that by going to pregamepodcast.com, and it's right there for listening. So we're not going to be talking about theory. We're going to be talking about specific teams. And in the second half of the first segment, we're going to be talking about the over and under numbers and how they are unusually low this year in the conference tournaments and to the point where it's eye-poppingly low and they're actually being bet down is what does it mean and how can we take advantage? Vegas Runner. Yeah, I mean, every I, each of the sports books that I visited, that's the first thing that I'm hearing people discuss is, have you ever seen totals this low? And on top of it, to be bet down lower. I mean, pretty much every game that went off today got bet down. And you're looking at totals that are, you know, 125 and less, not in the 140s or 150 range. So, I mean, they're expecting both teams not to crack 60. And I think this is a trend that the, the odds makers were forced into. And I believe that happened early on in the season. Everybody saw how bad the, the books got beat by the steam, by players betting the under and moving a lot of money on these games. And the odds makers' totals were just way too high, and they were winning at an extraordinary clip, a clip high enough to force sportsbooks not to bring out their lines on totals till later in the day. Well, eventually they adjusted these numbers, raised them, and the game started going more over. So, so when you said raise them, you mean actually lowered the, lowered the numbers? After, they've got, after they were getting rocked for the first two months, you started seeing them, you know, lo yeah, lower the number. Exactly. And you started seeing more games go over the total um, after that. And what happened was, once again, they found another weakness in the high lines late in the season and started betting the unders again. And they were 
cashing again at a very high clip. So I think this is just the odds makers and the sports books getting fed up with it. And they know that year in and year out, these wise guys, these sharp bettors live for March Madness. The limits are higher. The lines are catered more towards the recreational player. So their edge is greater. So to have a higher limit when your edge is greater is extremely dangerous for the sports books. And I think this is their way of saying we're not going to let you take advantage of what you think we have to do. Because for a recreational player to be seeing lines of 115s, 116s, they're betting the over. Everyone in line's betting the over on almost, I'd say, 7, 8 out of 10 games. So you're saying the public action's on the over, and the wise guys, if they do want to bet the under, are having to bet the under against a lower number. Exactly. I couldn't have put it better. That's exactly what's happening since the tournaments began in mid last week. Okay, so ha- oh, no, go ahead, Marco. That's exactly what I was going to say. That the handy the odds makers are kind of handicapped in the respect that they can only put a number out so low. You know, you have it in every sport. You know, baseball, you'll never see an over under. You know, lower than six. You know, on occasion because there's just a magical number that they can't go past that threshold. And they also know that in any sport like football or basketball where there is, you know, a lot of scoring involved, human nature, obviously they're going to get more casual bets. And at this time of the year, I mean, you saw it already, you know, Ace, you've been in the sports books all week. They're already migrating to town. You know, the next two weeks are going to be tourists coming here that all they do is come here for these two weeks, March Madness, watch all the games and bet all the games. And human nature always has you betting the overs. So when they were putting the numbers out early, what was happening is the average Joes are betting over, which they always do. And then that was moving the line up, giving the Sharps even more of a cushion on these soft numbers to come in and hammer the, the unders late. Okay, so with the adjustment that's being made in these tournaments, is it a situation where the odds makers found that happy medium uh, where they're making the wise guys bet a poor number and, and, they're, they, and they know the, the casual fans betting the over? And if that's the case, is there any value here for, for us, the, let's say, the sharper players? I think right now what, we're, what I've seen the last few days is more of these games falling closer to the number, to the adjusted number. So, yes, I think they are getting to where they need to be. I don't think they're there yet. That's why I think the sharp money is still taking advantage of the unders. And until I I see a change in that, you know, I think that's the way we need to look. And when you look at these final scores, obviously they're right because more of these games are ending under. And as we talked in the final like two or three weeks of February, the lines on the point spreads themselves on the games, there was like 30% of the games every night were falling within two to three points of the number that the lines got tight. As the season progresses and they have more data to work with, you have the same thing happening now with the totals, and it will continue to get tighter. Where our listeners, I think, could really gain an edge, I believe, is if you love an over. Because these games will go over. I mean, Because what? here's the reality. Even though we say the Sharps bet the under and the, the Squares bet the over, historically, it might be 51-49. I couldn't put it better. And when these conference tournaments are over and we go back and look through the numbers, we're going to see that the games were closer to 50-50, the totals. You're not going to see 70-30. But let, let me clarify. Is if 51% of the games go under and 49% go over, that might not sound like a significant number. But let's think about this. If you've got to get to 52.4 to break even with 11 to 10 juice, which you do, to go from 51 to 52.4 is 1.4 1. percentage points. To go to, from 49 
to 52 is 0.4 is 3.4 percentage points. So that 49.51 is meaningful. But again, if the numbers are being skewed down because all the wise guy pounding and you like an over and it's a sharp side, you're going to gain a couple points. That and on top of it, I highly recommend if you start, if you look at the game that you want to bet over and you see the line has moved one point down, one and a half point down from the opening number, I highly recommend waiting. It looks to me like the they already took the under, the sharp betters, and as more followers hear about that, they're going to start doing the same. And you'll end up getting a much better number. I mean, you're seeing three, four-point movements in conference tournament games, televised games, is, is a very huge move. Okay, so takeaways here. If you handicap a strong over, you might be getting some real value this time of year. You're saying if you see an early move, that those moves have kept the momentum in the same direction recently, not as many reversals. Right. Don't let it scare you into pulling the trigger early. Sit back. Let them keep moving it down for you because that's been the the trend. Absolutely. And instead of having to go over 120, you'll end up having to go over 117. I'm seeing it day in and day out. Okay. Obviously, if you like the over, then you're saying play the over early. Or excuse me, if you like the... uh, the under, you got to go early. Got to go early for the If, if you like the overs, you could sit back and wait and let the steam bet under because that's the only side they usually like to back when it comes to totals. Okay, and again, with the line moves, you're never going to – if you could predict line yeah. moves – with high accuracy, you'd be living in a big house with uh, in, with a big tall uh, gate. Uh, it's your goal is to get it right sixty out of a hundred times. If you if, think about it, if you get the better number sixty out of a hundred, you're coming out ahead, and you know all you got to do is clearly win fifty six, fifty seven percent. But getting that better number is going to help you, and that, it's only a guideline. It's it's never always going to go a certain way. Exactly, but just that you know because it is a market, you start to see market trends, and exactly. obviously the market trend in this conference tournament has been the sharp money tends to bet the under the odds makers have already been beaten up with enough sharp total money all year that they're not going to let it happen when the limits are this much higher so they're over adjusting and this is the time of the year that the players that bet the over will get an edge with the number okay so steven you did a a blog post recently and you can check out all the blogs at pregame pregame pregame.com and click blogs in the left nav, or you can go directly pregameblogs.com. You were talking about talking to some sharps in town, and you have a, quite the network of guys that talk to you. And have you? Is there anything you've heard about these totals, about them banging the unders? Any thoughts on this? Well, you know, you don't necessarily have to just follow the wise guys. Uh, uh, you got to give some credit to the odds maker. L- l- let's say uh, the total moves. Uh, let's say there's a move on the total. Pretty steam, maybe goes up three, four points. Uh, and so you got to decide if, if I'm going to get involved. If you don't have an opinion, do I want to get involved with the steam, or is the odds maker that far off this late in the year? Now I talked to one of the sharpest odds makers in town the other day, and he lo- he was in love with uh, the over on. Niagara Siena, and uh, I, I think I, I I played it over on on his say so over one fifty three. I think it closed one fifty five. Last time these two teams played, the uh, combined totals one eighty five. They didn't get there. Got like one forty seven. So um, you know he happens to be an odds maker, but he could have been a professional better. He was that sharp. So I mean these guys aren't God, you know. And if you see you know a move that big, either. You know, fade it or, but I wouldn't jump on the late steam. You know, I'd either play it early or, or go the other way. And that follows in with what 
Vegas Runner was saying is that the actual money from the wise guys might move at a point, a point and a half, two points. Uh, and, and again, this is just a, a generalization, but oftentimes it will move at that smaller amount. And then the momentum, the followers will move at another couple points. And really the, the wise guys are betting, you know, at that point, four points different, that whole four points is their edge. They might think, let's say the number opens at 130, they play it under 130. If it's 126, that's what they think the number should be, 126. You know, it's easy to knock the odds makers, but like I said, I know a lot of these guys and they're sharp. It's not so much that they're running away from their numbers, it's the bookmaker. As we know in Las Vegas, there's a lot of scared bookmakers. Guys scared of their own shadow. Well, they'll they'll move it, you know, uh, you know, and it, so you know you got a pretty good uh, opinion on the other way. I tend to disagree with you a little bit on that, Stephen. Is if you were correct with that, then in theory, a system could be play every game that moves a significant amount without a, a news item moving it. So not an injury or a news item. If a game moves three points or more, play against the move. That would be profitable if you're right. If the odds makers number are superior, numbers are superior, then that'd be a profitable system. But I don't believe it is. Do you have any proof? Well, I've, um, I've personally, through my conversations and some of my own analysis, believe the following. And again, would I be able to prove this in a quarter long? No. And, and this is an interesting discussion. Is I believe that. Any significant move, and you could define that a little differently in each sport and a little differently if it's a side or a total. Totals have to move a little bit more to be significant. There's more variance. Is you're about 52% on the first move and about 49% if you um, if you play the late number. So it, usually that move will take you from 52 to 49. So if you were able to play the, the virgin number, you could probably about break even against you know the juice. And if you were if you played the late number, you're going to get killed if you go with the juice. So I think it's usually that 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 the real number is somewhere in between the open and the move. There are some very good totals players out there, better than probably any odds makers. But there's very few of them, and I think there's a lot of pseudo intellectual total players that just aren't that good, and it's a very tough thing. You really have to know what you're doing. So I guess the only point I'm making, RJ, and I don't have proof the other way, I- I'm just saying, you know, if it gets so out of whack, it's not like you got a moron opinion to start with, you know? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Any other closing thoughts on this? Yeah, and I understand exactly what Steve's saying. When sometimes you see these lines move three, four points, and you have to ask yourself, what did the odds maker miss? Since his job is to put out a strong number, how could this organization's number have been four points different than what is being offered? So I see his point, and again, like RJ said, is there injury behind it? Is there a newspaper clipping? Is there a reason for that move? So, I mean, when you're talking about steam moves and wise guy moves and line movements and books making them, I mean, it's a very deep topic. I think something we could talk about for days. And we'll probably do a breakaway podcast on that before too long. Okay, now, an interesting thing before we move to segment two. Uh, one is we have a new lines, uh, free line service, free live odds at pregame.com. You can go there and click uh, lines and odds or... Or you can go directly to pregamelines.com and uh, actually we're in real time free. You can see the moves as they happen. And there's a scoreboard that's updated quite quickly there too. A good little page. Uh, you see the opening number and you can actually see all the line moves. Now, before we move to segment two, Vegas Runner, your Twitter page, we talked about it last week, is blowing up. Um, I got to tell you, I said it last week. It's one of the more exciting things I've been a part of. Why don't you tell us real quick what you're trying to accomplish with, with your page? 
uh, right now with the Twitter page, I'm trying to give them an up-to-the-minute picture of what I'm seeing in front of me, of what is going on in the sports book while I'm there. Um, I mean, I'm not passing around every small, minute detail, but the things that I feel are important, the kind of things that I'd want to know. So when I see uh, an outfit, a group go up to the window and bet the game, I'm passing that off on Twitter. When a sportsbook manager tells me they're heavy on one side, I'll pass that along on Twitter. When bookies from back home tell me they're heavy on one side, you know, I'll pass that along. And it's a way for me to, to contact, stay in contact with anyone that wants real sports game and information throughout the day. And for those that don't know, Twitter is, uh, you can go to twitter.com and to go to uh, Vegas Runner's page, it's twitter.com slash Vegas Runner, all one word. And it's, it's literally 10, 12, 15 updates a day. And it's almost like uh, dispatches from the front lines. This guy's on the strip. This guy is on the you know phone, on the IM, talking to the wise guy. And as he gets the news, he'll pass it on to you. It's all free. And I got to tell you, it's, it, it's something a lot of websites are talking about, pointing to this page and talking about how exciting it is. Now, I have um, a Twitter page. It's twitter.com slash RJ in Vegas. And Marco does uh, twitter.com slash Marco in Vegas. And we're giving you, you know, I'm giving you a sense of what it's like to be a CEO of a website like pregame.com Um in Las Vegas, and Marco's giving you a sense of what it's like to be a 30-year handicapping veteran in Vegas running the pick side of the site, and it's all pretty exciting, but if you're really looking at the moves and the sharp stuff, the Vegas Runner page is a must-check out. It's totally free. That's the best part, and I get an opportunity to send free picks throughout the day uh, You know that aren't just my own, other people's And you're, and you're giving well. out stuff. When, when you do your final premium pick update from pregamepros.com, you actually give everything out late through Twitter. Twitter for free. Absolutely. As soon as I'm done with the final late steam update for my clients, um, because I'm still following these games, I'm still following line moves, I'm still talking to people throughout the evening. Uh, when something comes in a halftime, I've passed along. I mean, anything that I'm going to wager on late night, I'll pass it along on Twitter for free. Exciting stuff. Okay, we're going to be moving on to segment two. We'll be right back. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join Pregame.com for free, and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign-up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit Pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. And we're back. This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, segment two of three for March 10th, Tuesday. Okay, second segment. We're going to be talking about three teams in honor of March Madness, and we're in the conference tournaments now. Next week, we'll be back again on Tuesday, early recording, and talk all about the brackets, and this should be one of the best podcasts of the year for next uh, Tuesday. Okay, first team we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about um, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Panthers. And Marco is known. He, he, he spent... 56 years in Pitts. Wait, wait, 46 years in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and I mean, this guy's connected. Um, I mean, really up and down the state and the Pitt Panthers uh, is his home 
he's been in Vegas now over a year, but he's, it's just, what's your record right now with, with the Pittsburgh teams recently? Uh, for 2009, we're, we're nine and three with the uh, games involving Pitt and Duquesne of the two teams that I had been concentrating on this year. And uh, we're ready to roll into the Big East and the Atlantic 10 tournaments. Exciting time. Okay, so what's going on with Pitt right now? They seem to be trending up with the big win over UConn. Well, this team to me is the complete team, and I don't want to sound like a homer, but this is the first team that you can really say for Jamie Dixon it's entirely his team. I mean, he was in the shadow of Ben Holland. He took over, and you know maybe you don't remember the situation with Holland when he went to UCLA. Pitt was making their run in the tournament, and he denied that he was going the whole time. It was a major distraction. Um, soon as Pitt got knocked out of the tournament, he announced he was taking the UCLA job. That was his dream job. He was from California. And the Pitt players all went into the president's office and solicited Jamie Dixon to be the coach of this team. He's very well liked. He's, you know, he's disciplined, but he's organized. And the one knock that the Pitt Panthers have had over the years with Ben Holland, and you're seeing it now with UCLA, is they play great defense. But he always had problems with on the offensive end of the floor. And this team doesn't have that problem. Pitt plays solid defense, and they can play a half-court game or they can play an up-tempo game. They've been solid all year. They've gone in. Now, I know the two wins against Connecticut, people are going to look to the injury factor there. But Pitt's done everything that they've needed to do this year. And the only time they've lost is both times when they got moved up to the number one ranking. They lost the game immediately following the number one ranking. I think this team is poised to make a deep run in the tournament, and uh, I would not be surprised to see Pitt in the Final Four. And there's value with this team as well. They're 16-8 and eight against the spread. For a marquee team, Vegas has not caught up to them. One of the things that's always surprised me about you and the Pittsburgh teams, the Steelers and the Panthers, et cetera, is sometimes when it looks like you'd be inclined to go the other way, you actually know to go the opposite way of what seemingly the sharp side is. That's that extra level of insight. It's easy. For example, you went with the Steelers against Baltimore in the championship game of the AFC. I thought that number was inflated. It probably was, but you saw something different. And we know that with any team, the specifics of the game is what matters, and we'll be waiting for your picks on these games. But in general, you think this team's a little underrated and is a play on. I do. And, and one thing I do want to say is I go against these Pittsburgh teams as much as I go with them, especially like the Duquesne team this year. We've cashed a lot of tickets going against Duquesne rather than going with them for certain situations that I got information from back home. Vegas Runner, you had a thought. Uh, no, I will next with UConn. I was just, I don't agree. He was, he was jumping in his, he was jumping in his seat here. Okay. So let's do that. And then we'll go next to, uh, after this to Steven is the team you want to talk about is UConn. Yes. UConn and Pitt's been their Achilles heel, but I'm telling you now the Pitt team people have, have caught on now. Now they're the hot team. They're the one people are starting to mention. And that's what I love about UConn when the tournament starts. Here's a team that is loaded, RJ, but down the stretch, they want one and six against the spread. So the public can't stand this team right now. And all we're hearing about is Jerome Dyson. Their junior guard went down. Jerome Dyson was only their steel leader. And his minutes was a sixth man top, sixth, seventh man. So 
UConn will be fine when the tournament gets here. I mean, when you look at this team, they depend on only one only one freshman gets any kind of quality minutes. That's it. The rest of the team, seniors and juniors, and for a team this highly ranked, that's extremely rare. When you look at them, they're one of the tallest teams in the nation. I believe they're the fourth biggest team there is. Um, they're one of the most mature teams. I believe they're in the top 10, top 12 when it comes to experience. So this is one of them teams that I think the public's going to look to fade, and they're going to be one of them teams people aren't going to put to advance in their brackets. But look at UConn. They went 9-1 and on the road, 4-0 in neutral sites. The team could get it done outside of, of Stores, Connecticut, where they play. So I love this I'm a little biased because I have a future on them, but I really think out of the East, this is the team we need to watch. When did you play that future? Uh, before the season started, about a month before it started, they were like 25 to 1. Well, there you go. They're excellent. So now, I'm a bit so, biased. so let's get a little back going because we won't have a podcast until um, uh, after the Big East tournament. Would both of you guys be willing to bet lunch on who's going to advance farther in the Big East tournament specifically? Oh, absolutely. The the Big East oh, I see absolutely. I see, I see I'll a little hedge coming. Steve and RJ, if I lose, well, see, for here's four. The thing. Pitt, Lunch for four. If they run the course, it's going to end up Pitt and Connecticut in the championship game. And you know, I'm a big proponent that it's hard to beat the same team three times in one season. Now, if you want to switch this, who runs further in the big dance? I'm there. I'll, well, that's I'll, for dinner, but that that too, yeah. Um, so you up for that? All right. So absolutely. we got a bet here, and um, it's going to be who goes further in the big dance, Pitt or Connecticut. VR is on Connecticut. Marco's on Pitt. Absolutely. All oh, right. Boy. That sounds good. And before we move on to Steven, interesting point. UConn one and six. And again, that's not just that we talk about this every week, but we're going to keep pounding it home. That's not just a theoretical number on a piece of paper. That means millions of dollars have been lost on UConn recently, and that makes people very gun-shy against betting on UConn, which means maybe a little bit of value even for a team that's this highly ranked. And I also really love the idea of it's usually a mid-major team that has maturity and experience, or it's a major conference team that's very young and hyper-talented. The fact that UConn has both, uh, I think, is a unique element. Yeah, the average in NCAAs, I believe, when I was doing the conference tournaments, was one year, six months. That's the average experience level of, of college basketball. UConn is two years, three months. So they're up there. I mean, they're in the top 10% of experience, and that's so rare when you're talking about a team that was ranked number one in the nation throughout the season. Now, before we uh, move on to Steven, don't miss segment three. Segment three, we've got so many hot streaks on these free picks. Vegas runner, four in a row going for his fifth. Steven, five in a row going for his sixth. And Marco, three and one recently with some futures outstanding. Uh, All for free. And you're going to be getting a coupon for $10 off any picks you want to buy. So don't miss that. Okay, Steven, an NBA expert, but being a West Coast guy, you follow the Pac-10 fairly well. You want to talk about California University. Well, I shouldn't talk then about that Notre Dame future book ticket I had then, uh, before the season. Uh, uh, I, I would throw out Cal, but more as a concept to attack these conference tournaments. Um, like I said, I talk a lot to the odds makers, and I said if somebody wants to bet uh, a team to win a conference tournament, which would be the way to do it? And they said never play the chalk because um, – 
they're especially skewing the odds to, to really screw you if you want to play the North Carolinas and the UCLA's and all that. So I looked at Cal at 8-1, to one and you know, I, I like their coach, and I think that that's the kind of way to go on these conference tournaments is kind of take a, a middle shot like that. But you got to kind of dope it out to make sure that they would only play three games and not four games. And uh, and that's based upon buys and the structure of some of these right. tournaments. Okay. Yeah, and and so consequently, if you go to the Big Ten, maybe Michigan State's the the conference tournament favorite, but they're kind of you know bogus. It's not a real strong team. Maybe somebody like a Wisconsin at at five to one, uh, you know, might be worth a shot. And you know that that's the way how I would attack these these uh, conference tournaments. Uh, something like the SEC, Tennessee. Is the tournament favorite? I mean, would you put money down on Tennessee to win the SEC? I mean, five or six teams could win that. Uh, consequently, though, some of the other conference tournaments, the Big Twelve, the three favorites there, um, you can't really go against them. I don't think anybody but Kansas, Oklahoma, or Missouri would have a shot to win that. But uh, you kind of got to. And I'm just talking about the major ones. Some of these uh, mid-major and smaller ones. There's far more incentive for these teams. You know, they're they're big dance. Uh, possibilities are, are all wrapped up in this tournament. So, so I think that's a key point yeah. is is the because there is a lot of public money on the conference tournaments, the futures are going to be skewed towards the favorites. And if you can find conferences with a favorite which is not motivated to win out, there might be some real value on taking an 8-1 to one or so underdog. Yes. And, and you think specifically, and not overstating it, California might be in that category this year. Yeah, Cal, maybe 8-1, to one, ACC, maybe like a Clemson at 10-1. to one. Yeah, Take a shot, you know. You don't have to put out much money to, to win some. You know, if a big seed gets knocked out, then the door's wide open. Agreed, and I think that's really good advice. And, and one of our general concepts is going against the favorites because that's where the public is, and, and Stephen's comment follows that. Okay, so we're wrapping up segment two. We're going to be right back with segment uh, number three and all of our free picks. This is R.J. Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms, the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to pregame.com and click forms or visit directly through pregameforms.com where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. And we're back. This is a Sports Bank Preview Podcast from Pregame.com, segment three of three for Tuesday, March 10th. Okay, exciting segment. We got some real hot streaks going. First, though, always in segment three, we answer the question of the week. That question is available uh, to be asked by anyone at Pregame.com in the form section, or you can go directly to PregameForms.com. We have an active thread that lets you ask the experts any question you want. And if we pick your question, you get a $25 coupon to be spent any way you want at PregamePros.com. Okay, this question of the week is from a user, a username SOKO711. And he asked, is, does it make sense that in these conference tournament finals that some teams that are, not, that are certainly in the dance are not particularly motivated to play hard? And possibly, if they allow the other team to win, 
as if there would be potentially a conspiracy, that conference would get an extra participant in the dance because the team that would be allowed to win would get the automatic bid. What we'll do is answer the second part of that first. I can speak from experience. Um, the best man at my wedding is a pretty high up guy in the Big 12. And uh, these teams, the ability for them to coordinate something like that uh, is, is non-existent. Um, it really would be a situation. You have these 18, 19-year-old kids that would somehow be told to lay down. And, and the idea that that would be able to be, uh, stay under wraps, I think, is pretty foolish. I, uh, or foolish isn't the right word, but unlikely. And, and I think there always is a tendency to, to think of that the, the fix is in because the reality is two things. One, when you lose, you want to blame people. And we all lose a lot. Even if you win as a professional batter, you're losing 45, 44% of the time, most of the time. And, but number two, there's been things like the Tim Donahue scandal that pregame.com reported on extensively that makes you really wonder. And, and I think oftentimes the fix is in, but, but I think in this case with the kids and, and the conferences, it's very unlikely. Now, the concept of the motivation is a great one, and it's something we talk about at length in our How to Handicap the Conference Tournaments podcast. It's a separate podcast. It's available right now. You can go grab that at pregamepodcast.com. All podcasts are free, and we have 37 minutes of talking about how to handicap, and motivation for for teams already in the dance is a a key part of the discussion. So we're going to give SOKO711, the question of the week, he'll be getting a $25 email from Marco. And uh, keep the questions of the week coming. Okay, Marco, we actually have a coupon that we give away every week in this segment. Hit it. This is my favorite part of the show. I give away RJ's money. And uh, this week, we're going to give you a $10 coupon as we do each week. You can use that at pregamepros.com. Just go to the shopping cart when you make your selections and enter coupon conference 10 since it's conference tournament week just type in conference and the number 10 and you're going to get ten dollars off your purchase it's a one-time use coupon and that coupon will be good through monday okay so you go to the shopping cart after you picked what you want to buy there's a coupon section and you put in the word conference 10 all one word you get 10 bucks off let me tell you you guys every week more you are using this coupon and it's 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 really some eye-popping numbers and we love it because it gives you a chance to check out pregamepros.com at a big discount okay into the free picks amazing hot streaks going and and what we'll do when i hand off to each guy we'll talk about their hot streak Vegas runners up first, four and zero on the podcast, going for his fifth straight winner. I just want everyone to know how serious we are about the picks we give out on the podcast. I mean, me, Marco, Steve, RJ, we have our little competition amongst ourselves, so each of us tries to bring something strong to the table, man. And I'm going for number five, and I'm going to stick to the fight game. Big fight on pay-per-view Saturday night. Amir Khan versus Marco Antonio Barrera, the Mexican legend. I believe this is. Amir Khan's coming out party. He's trained by Freddie Roach. He's 19-1 and with 15 KOs. And as much as I love Barrera for his wars with Morales, he's 65-6, and and it's time he puts it away. He needs to put up the gloves and, and, and retire. He's going down as one of the best Mexican fighters ever. And the thing is, with this fight, Amir is the champ. He's defending his WBA international lightweight title and trying to capture the vacant WBO. This is one of them promotional fights that, like I said, it's Amir Khan's coming out party. He's minus 130. I think that's a great price. 
I would have laid up the minus 160, 170, honestly, without really worrying about it. Uh, again, like I said, Barrera, tough fighter, but this is Khan's coming out party late at 130. Let's make it five straight. Now, would you advise, and again, we never know for sure, playing this early, playing it the day of the fight? Because Barrera has such a strong following, I believe he's going to get a lot of action as a live dog. So I, I, I say you can wait and possibly get a better number on Khan because he's not well known. But if the wise guys get a sniff of this, like they did with the last fight pick I gave out, the line's going to rise. So at 130, I think it's very generous. It's a fair line. I'd, ha I'd lay it now and have no problems about it. And personally, I can tell you, I don't handicap boxing, but I love it when there's a guy who's an expert, no matter what it is. In fact, it, I don't know what it is about me, but when, when I get to bet a sport I know nothing about, but I think I'm on the right side, I find that particularly exciting. I'm not, we can analyze it that is. another Sometimes time. It's fun to bet sports that someone gives you that you ain't following. <laughs> All right, great stuff. I know, Vegas Trainer, you, unless I'm mistaken, you're just on fire with your premium stuff, too. Yeah, I, I really am. And right now at the Sports Monitor, I'm combined uh, NBA and NCAA. I'm eighth in net units one. And that's what's important to me because winning percentages say very little. Money one says very little. Some of them guys have each of their units be 1,000. Some people have them each be 100. So what tells me how a capper is doing is what are your net units one? Bottom line, are you ahead or are you behind? And right now I'm eighth in NBA and NCAA combined. I'm up well over 60 units for the basketball season ahead in the NBA and college. So I'm really looking forward to March Madness. I killed it last year, and I'm going to kill it again. And your top play of the day has been particularly hot. The three, I, I believe I'm almost at 70% over the last 30 best bets. So it's a, a three-plus week streak going. So I don't like to call it a streak. I think we're just you know feeling it right just now. Just the way it is. It's just how it is. <laughs> it's, it's life in VR. That's how it is. <laughs> It's life. <laughs> Twitter gives you a sense of life in uh, Vegas Runner like World. it's like walking in my shoes. <laughs> okay. Now, last week, Vegas Runner launched his Bet Like a Pro program, so you can go to pregame.com and check that out, where your actual, if you want to get bet exactly the games he does, the billing is associated with the profits. If you don't win, you don't get paid, or you don't get billed. Okay. Great stuff. Okay, now, Steven Nover. Now, this guy, you think all the talk about Vegas Runner, this guy's 5-0 and on his free picks, and right now he's going for his sixth in a row. And he wouldn't even tell me which what he was going to give out. He's got it <laughs> folded in the back pocket. Well, in the interest of full disclosure, I, I am 5-0 and on my NBA uh, podcast free picks, 0-1 on my college. Uh, but So I'm going to stick with an NBA, not surprising. Uh <laughs> I'm looking at a game on Friday uh, taking Milwaukee at home against the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, I think this game sets up situationally well for the Bucks on both ends. Uh, the Bucks as, as a playoff team? Nah, not really, but, but they don't believe that. They feel they're a playoff team, and, and this is going to be the third game of a six-game homestand. It really will determine if they are a serious playoff contender. Following this game, the Bucks have to host Boston, Orlando, and Portland. So that could be three losses. So they're really going to be uh, focused and concentrated on this matchup. They uh, last played on Tuesday, the Bucks, and uh, they should play New Orleans with a lot of confidence. They, they nearly upset the Hornets. Uh, they lost by one at home on February 27th. That was the game where they came from 17 points down with four minutes left and, and nearly pulled it out. I think Tyson Chandler had a, had a late, uh, late basket right at the end to, 
to win. And New Orleans has not been a good uh, road team lately. They're 2-7 and seven against the spread in their last nine road games. This is the Hornets' third consecutive away game. And the following night, on Saturday, the Hornets are at the Bulls. That is a revenge game for the Hornets. Uh, the Bulls beat them the last time. So I think the spot sets up very well for Milwaukee. Uh, they're really going to be focused on this game. And uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks. Excellent. Great. And I, I always like the way Steven looks at it from every possible angle and uh, great stuff and great results. Okay. So next up, Marco D'Angelo, who is the redheaded stepchild of the group at three and one with his uh, recent free picks. Yeah. 75%. And I'm bringing up the rear. What's up with that? Okay. Well, I got to step it up and we're going to go with a play for Friday night in the NBA. And that play is Sacramento, and this is a situational handicapping play. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, they are one of the premier teams in the NBA, one of the, if not the best, top three, uh, Boston, Cleveland, and the Lakers. They are going into Sacramento. This finishes up a three-game road trip for Cleveland. It'll be their third game in four nights on the road. But more importantly, the game before this would be Thursday night, the night before they play Phoenix at Phoenix on TNT. That's a huge game, TV game. They're going to put out the big effort in that game. I look for them to lay an egg. It's the final game of the road trip. A lot of times NBA teams will ship it in on that final game of the road trip. As I said, three days, three games in four days. But more importantly, if you go back further in the schedule, this is their eighth road game in their last 10 games. Uh, Bad scheduling spot. I'm going to take Sacramento as the live dog. Keep this game close with the Cavaliers on Friday. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, now... What I typically do, again, I'm not a handicapper. I mean, literally less than 10% of the stuff I play comes from myself. I try to aggregate the best stuff from the pregame pros and some private professional sources. Uh, And typically on these podcasts, I give out futures or things I hear in passing from from these private professionals. Um, Now... I do, uh, and there's one way to actually get the same games I bet. It's the Bet Like a Pro program. You can go to betlikeapro.com and check that out. And I've actually been on a 15-5 and five run entering into today, so it's been a nice hot streak. What I'm going to give you today is a wise guy I know in town says, and you're not going to believe it, look hard at Kansas City, Kansas City in baseball, to really play well this year. The way that he suggests playing it is look to go over their win total, or you could even look for a World Series long shot. And again, that's a real long shot, but not much more than Tampa Bay would have been the year before. So Casey looks to overperform, and I'm passing that on from one of my private professionals. Okay, great podcast. Remember, don't forget, there's a How to Handicap conference tournaments available right now. You can get that in all podcasts at pregamepodcast.com. We'll be back next week talking about upcoming games and teaching you how to handicap any game. See you then.